0: Welcome to the Not With Jet Podcast, where we have meaningful discussions on all things money, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen. I'm a financial journalist, and I have over six years of experience in the media industry. Today's guest is Brooke Latham. Brooke is the founder of Social Canvas, a full-service marketing agency that helps organizations of purpose get the recognition they deserve. She is a seasoned traveler and currently lives in San Francisco. Brooke, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Jasmine. I'm super excited to be here. I'm very excited to dive into your knowledge. So (laughs) first, tell me a little bit about your career journey so far and how you ended up starting Social Canvas.
1: Yeah so actually I, my background was not in marketing. Um I studied fine art in New York and I wound up working in a number of different arts organizations. I worked for a public art nonprofit, an auction house and I wound up having my the early stages of my career were in the gallery world. And I always did some marketing in some shape or form at all of these different positions that I held in the art world. And what I realized is that a lot of these small business owners were giving the important task of their marketing to their assistants and interns who didn't necessarily know the best practices or the impact of The marketing that they were doing you know they would throw up a post they would send out a newsletter to their whole list and um not really looking at measuring the results of that so i saw this as an opportunity as i was learning Uh more about marketing and getting involved in marketing myself so i left and went out on my own i i had a few freelancing clients for a while and um Actually, I didn't even really intend to start a full-blown business. Um, I just started the entity to run my freelancing work through. But as things snowballed, um, I just started having this vision take form where I could see our brand and our messaging and our team. And so it's really grown a lot. And I've been so excited every step of the way.
0: Yeah, I've always admired individuals who are that good at being able to, you know, market a brand, market a business um, on social media, because I really feel like it's an art that takes so much effort to understand.
1: Yeah, it definitely does take a lot of effort. I would say, you know, defining a brand's identity is so important and adhering to that identity and making sure that it has character and is speaking to its target audience effectively. Um, you know, it's, it's really exciting. And I think, you know, it takes, you know, the people on my team have that creative edge and that they're able to hone these brands' tone of voice. So it's really important for these brands to be in the hands of someone who can
0: do that. Absolutely. And... When it comes to digital marketing, what it really boils down to is this ability to create a reputation for a brand and then promote that reputation to acquire customers, get more clients, get more followers, um, etc. How have you seen the landscape of digital marketing change over time?
1: Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, it's a fast-moving industry trends change on an ongoing basis the platforms change um but i would say the biggest shift is that now consumers have a very strong desire to see organizations incorporate purpose into their brand so you know people expect the brands that they are loyal to, to speak out on social issues now, to, um, have strong mission, vision, and values that are visible to the consumer. So I think that's very different than it has been in the past.
0: I agree. Um, that's something I've definitely noticed a lot as well. And I'm sure many, um, of our listeners have noticed that as well too. Um, I don't know, like, uh, if you feel this is something that you're able to speak to, but do you think that you're able to kind of pinpoint like when or why that shift might've occurred?
1: You know, I think it's a, a lot of it is generational. Um, You know, each generation has its own characteristics. And I think that the up and coming generations are passionate about social issues. And I also think that these things have just been evolving over time. You know, um, different social issues have been increasingly in the spotlight, um, as well as the fact that it's now more possible for brands to incorporate this into their message because of social media and because of these platforms that they have to express the depths of their brand beyond just what they sell on social media, they get to express their brand's personality. And so that's been a great platform where they're able to expand on this in ways that they haven't before.
0: Yeah, those are really great points. And in behavioral economics, one of the different types of biases we study is Um, how people are drawn to things and other individuals who are most similar to them. So it's really interesting to see how in, you know, this younger generation, that kind of works here too, where they hold a certain belief, certain individuals hold a certain belief, and they want to be drawn to the brands that might also convey a similar belief. So it really seems like similarity and just the brand's, access and its ability to convey that similarity really plays a role in that.
1: Yeah, that's super true. I think that, you know, um, social media can go both ways. It has the potential to be a place where people can become self-conscious or, um, you know, feel feelings of negativity can arise there, um, or it can become superficial, but I think that also it has great potential for bringing people together. I think that, People now more than ever are able to connect with others who have similar situations or mindsets all across the world. They're not stuck, you know, even if they're in a small little town who they don't feel like they have anyone to connect with, they're no longer limited to that small circle that they're physically in proximity to. They can find their um, community online somewhere now and not just you know it the experience has gotten richer in connecting with those people because there's video chats, there's all these different platforms um so yeah I think that people do gravitate towards others who are like-minded and now they are able to connect with others like
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen a lot of brands that are really good at, you know, being able to connect in an effective way um, and just building a really great reputation for themselves. Like Little Words Project is one brand that I actually got acquainted with a few years ago, um, thanks to a coworker. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Little Words Project, but- no. they Oh, they, well, they basically sell, um, these beaded bracelets with words on them, and the words are supposed to basically be these reminders to yourself, um, what you want to convey within yourself, the way you want to walk through the world, um, and it, the overall message is to remind each other to just be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to people you know, be kind to the people you don't know. Um, it's a fantastic brand with a fantastic social media presence. Um, I think they really do a good job at that connection aspect. And, um, you know, that's the reputation that they've been able to build for themselves. And when it comes to reputation building, it can have so many benefits. It can tell people what to expect when they see your brand. It can convey your brand's values or it can even convey where your brand's uh, competencies lie. But I feel like the same can also be said of personal brand building too for individuals. So, Let's let's talk a little bit about um, how our understanding of building an online presence from for a brand has kind of spilled over into that idea of creating a presence for ourselves online.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the things that we can see really clearly it has changed a lot in um, recent times as well. Is that um, you? see a lot more thought leaders and people being the face of their brand. And I think that this is really smart because people connect with people. So unless you're Apple, people are not going to buy from a faceless brand. Usually you have to Establish that personality. And when you put yourself out there, then you're a lot more likely to, for someone to connect with you as a person um, than just to uh, brand, you know, a logo and a color scheme. Like, that's not nearly as dynamic as another human being. So I think that it's become more and more important that. Um, People are incorporating thought leadership into their online presence because that has a huge impact. If they're if they have a brand a a business of theirs, then um, they need to, they need to incorporate thought leadership to strengthen the presence of the brand as well.
0: Yeah, and in its essence, what would you say thought leadership really boils down to?
1: Yeah. so I would say that um, thought leadership is demonstrating an expertise and opinions on a specific topic. Um, I think that now everyone has the power to be a thought leader, whereas in the past it was limited to a select few that had this influence um, over people and visibility. Um, But this also comes with a downside in that it's become a bit of an oversaturated market. So um, you really need to find your niche. And more now than ever, authenticity is key. People can always tell if you're not being
0: authentic, and they don't buy it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, What what would you say is the distinction between uh, being a thought leader versus being an influencer online?
1: Yeah, so um, I would say that thought leaders are operate more in the B2B space, whereas influencers are more direct to consumer. Um, of course, there are exceptions to this, but in general, thought leaders are more about ideas, whereas most influencers are generally selling some kind of product or um they're, they're more about sales, whereas thought leaders are more about concepts.
0: That's a really interesting point. I never, um, I never thought about it that way. Truthfully, I, I never really, like, gave this question (laughs) much thought, but, um, I like where you're going with that, with that whole idea of concept and thought leaders being more of, like, a, a, B2B quote unquote system. Um, I don't think, I don't know if system's really the best word to use, but for lack of a better word, a a B2B type of system.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I would say that um, a lot of times thought leaders are promoting or speaking about um, a subject that is of their, their own their own original ideas whereas influencers a lot of times are helping to spread the the word and get more visibility on other people's brands or ideas or products
0: that's another very uh defining difference I feel like um like a thought leader when I think of a thought leader um on like a platform like LinkedIn, um, one person who comes to mind is, um, she's this venture capital thought leader. Uh, she is an investor, but she's constantly posting different ideas, um, around where she sees the industry going, where she sees trends within the brands that operate within her space, um, and she also posts uh, little tidbits for that are aimed at other uh, investors and people who want to become investors. So I'm kind of thinking of this in a way where thought leaders uh, are trying to like their, I guess their ideal person would be other people who want to be kind of thought leaders, but with influencers, it's more so people who want to be customers.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I think too, you know, you can get down into the, like all the little details that differentiate these two um, characters, but I think that, um, you know, the platforms vary. I would say that you would see a lot more influencers on Instagram and TikTok, whereas thought leaders mostly hang out on LinkedIn. It's not to say that you couldn't be a thought leader and an influencer as the same person. You definitely can. um, but I think that, um, perhaps thought leaders are more about, um, educational content or thought-provoking um, you know, discussions, whereas influencers are maybe more, like you said, um, catering to co- people with more consumers. Um, and also I would say that influencers have a bit more um, showmanship in uh, entertainment sense. You know, um, they are making things, you know, like these fun, quirky, trendy videos with with trending audio and this sort of thing. Um, so I think that maybe thought leaders just operate in a different space. You know, it's like corporate or startup, like, you know, it's just, um, it's a different realm. But like I said, you could be a thought leader and an influencer at the same time. And like I was saying before about, um, you know, who they're catering to, you know, a consumer versus someone who's wanting to learn and participate in a discussion, that person can similarly be both a consumer who is, you know, being reached by an by an influencer on one subject, but they could also be, um, tuning into a thought leader's ideas on LinkedIn as well. You know, we're dynamic creatures, so we were able to slip in and out of these different modes of operation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I also remember a time when, uh, in order to be considered an influencer, uh, you know, you needed to have a certain number of followers. So you needed to have, like, say, more than 10,000 followers, more than 15,000 followers. Um, I definitely remember when um, being a micro-influencer was considered having less than 10,000 followers, but more than, like, 1,000 or 2,000 followers. So, what does it take to be able to call yourself a thought leader? Is that quantifiable in the same way that uh, being an influencer is quantifiable, or is being a thought leader more of a qualitative measure?
1: I would say that there are plenty of people out there who are still very hung up on vanity metrics like number of followers. However, as an expert in this space, my personal opinion is that it's not about the number of followers that you have, but rather how engaged they are. Um, So I would say that, um, you know, there are, like we discussed, there are a lot of people out there who are self-proclaimed thought leaders, um, but I think that what really verifies that, Claim is two things. One, I would say, do they have an engaged following? Are people interested in what it is that they have to say? Are they commenting back and jumping in on the discussion? And two, I would say that true thought leadership is often best achieved by creating original content. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people who will just comment on articles um, share links um, and they're kind of just posting to post so that they are popping up on people's feed. But um, when you go that extra step to develop original content such as a video or a speech or a blog, um, podcast, this type of original content is speaks a lot louder about your own opinions and demonstrates that expertise more so than just sharing articles.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's called thought leader for a reason. <laughs> like you're not called a thought follower and that's kind of what you're doing. When... A thought sharer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. And I know previously you mentioned that um, there was a time where thought leadership was thought to have been a little more reserved for uh, certain types of people. Um, And, you know, what comes to mind at first would be like executives, uh, business leaders, uh, people who are like really at like the top of the corporate ladder, uh, which, you know, being a thought leader can absolutely be beneficial to someone who is already uh, in that leadership capacity. But how might it be able to benefit employees or other individuals who are still at the entry level level? area within their organization.
1: I love this question because um, it's important to point this out that um, thought leadership can absolutely benefit people who are you know, lower in the totem pole or earlier on in their career, or perhaps they're just starting some, their own venture um, in the early stages. So the reason being is that you never know these days where your career will, will take you. And it's so much easier to build an engaged community over the long run than it is to build one quickly from scratch. Um, so you might have a career pivot down the line and wish that you had started sooner. So um, it can also help you to get more visibility if you're at an organization, you know, let's say you are at some big corporation and you feel like perhaps you're getting overlooked, um, you're getting lost in the crowd. Ha- working on your thought leadership can be an important way to get you that visibility and recognition that you're hoping
0: for to help you achieve your goals. Absolutely. And I feel like there are a lot of people out there who um, if they haven't encountered this in their careers yet, they probably will um, encounter this situation where, you know, they have a really great, interesting, innovative idea that they bring to their boss, bring to their manager or whoever supervises them. And they end up getting shut down. You know, um, they believe in their idea, but maybe the people at their company don't. And so uh, that's an opportunity to take that idea and attach your own name to it in your own way and just put it out there, uh, like, regardless um, of what, of whether or not you were able to uh, move forward with it within your own organization absolutely yeah and like a lot of times um and i guess this could speak uh more so to individuals who are earlier on in their careers but it can certainly also uh pertain to those who are you know still making a lot of headway within their careers but how are you able to showcase expertise if you don't already have a track record for being very public facing.
1: Yeah, so I would say everyone has to start somewhere. You don't have to jump out there and start like a YouTube channel right off the bat. Um, you can just dip your toe in the water by, um, you know, maybe a first step would be if you're not already sharing content that you find interesting, then start there. You know, that's a great intro step to, um, start showing people that you're the wheels are turning you are thinking about these things and interested in having discussions around your top topics that interest you um from there i would say um, start writing some articles or blogs um, and sharing them online Um, and i would say that it's really important to just Start connecting with people. Um, send out connection requests. Um, if you meet someone, friend them on LinkedIn. You know, it, it's really great to um, to be furthering your connection with people, um, so that you guys can stay in touch and so that they can start to see the things that you're thinking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, newsletters are a really great tool that um, people can use. LinkedIn actually has a feature where you can build your newsletter right through LinkedIn um, and have people subscribe (laughs) within the LinkedIn platform as well. That's such a good way to maybe provide insights or updates on um, personal career and things that you're doing to advance your career on a weekly or monthly basis. Maybe you attend weekly events, or maybe you host a weekly Zoom call for other employees in your field uh, to just chat and get to know each other and share insights. Um, So newsletters. And then also, I want to add, anyone can pretty much create a profile on Medium. Um, yeah, yeah. Medium is such a good tool where you can just create blog style articles and share them and you actually can gain a following within the medium platform for your writing. So that's another great way to showcase your work. If you don't want to, um, you know, pay for a website domain and hosting to start like your own blog from scratch,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of our clients, um, when we, you know, publish their articles on medium, the, you know, we're looking at the numbers of how much visibility their blogs were getting on their own website versus on medium and medium is really great because it does offer a lot of exposure to an audience who might, you might not be reaching via your usual channel. So I absolutely agree. Um, and definitely the new, the LinkedIn newsletter feature is really great. I have some reservations because I feel like LinkedIn, the notifications can get a little bit overwhelming. You know, especially mm. when you do have a lot going on there. If you are a thought leader, then um, then you can have a lot of extra notifications and spammy notifications and this sort of thing. So um, Sometimes people are reluctant to subscribe to newsletters there, or perhaps they don't check their LinkedIn frequently enough, um, so they're always behind on their messages. So what I would recommend is that um, you go and adjust your settings for your LinkedIn notifications to make sure that you aren't losing the important things in the overload of these notifications that you aren't as interested in hearing about so um, that way you can make sure that content that is most important to you stands out and you don't get bogged down with a million notifications because then your instinct is to just ignore them
0: (laughs) that is exactly right (laughs) it's great to still be able to uh control the volume of what you're seeing Um, you know, in any type of content and on any type of platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Notification settings are like one of the most important things. And I think that oftentimes people overlook them, like they don't realize they have that much control, (laughs) but, you know, it's your profile, uh, you know, this is your inbox. You need to make sure that it's working for you, not the other way around.
0: Absolutely. And we talked a little bit more about uh, social media platforms a little earlier in our conversation. Um, And, you know, they've really been a driving force in being able to set people up to assume the position of a thought leader um, or even an influencer. But what are some ways that individuals can start to take advantage of? Um, some other platform features to show their connections and followers that they can be an expert on a subject area?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that the first step is to identify which platform is best suited for their goals. So it would be a waste of time for you to, um, you know, be spending all this time and effort creating content and publishing content on a platform that doesn't reach your target audience um from there i would explore what features are available on that platform that is going to serve you best um for um linkedin and instagram you can turn on creator mode um on LinkedIn, you can publish original content as articles. So um, then you know you're shown as an author, um, and you can get some more visibility on if you've got a blog going um, Obviously the LinkedIn newsletter feature is really great. And then if you are, if you have a presence on Instagram, I think there are a lot of creative ways that you can utilize um, the features on that platform. So now that, now they are releasing this feature where you can actually um, sell subscriptions. So you could, you know, release to your following, I'm going to provide special content to my subscribers who pay for the extra content, maybe the meatier, more juicy stuff that they reserve for people who are on kind of this paid plan rather than just in their um, general following. And another cool way I've seen this done Um, is that you can add people to your close friends list. Um, So for instance, you can use this as a way to to engage your followers who are more engaged and more active and perhaps they've paid you for a subscription or perhaps they're your clients or um, people who you really want to have closer contact with. So you can add them to your close friends list. And then when you publish stories, you can publish it to that specific list. So that way you can be speaking more directly to a specific segment of your audience, which I think is a really cool feature that maybe not a lot of people are
0: using in that way. That is such a unique idea. I love that. I feel like in a way um, that can also kind of incentivize followers to be less passive as a follower Mm -hmm. and engage in whatever activity they need to do on your page in order to become a part of that close friends group.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that, and so once you uh, take that step of deciding uh, where your knowledge might be best suited, what platform your might your uh, knowledge might be best suited for, how do you start to craft a post that you know both draws awareness um, as to who you are, gets eyes on your profile, but also gets people to engage and finally decide to follow you?
1: Yeah, so I would say that it's really important to understand your communication pillars, like what are the topics that you speak on and what insight can you provide that might differ from the information that people already have? Can you offer an opinion? Um, But I would say that the most effective content is often... Collaborative content. I would say that oftentimes the most effective content is collaborative content, and what I mean by that is, is whenever you can tag another account or um, or call on someone to comment on something, or if you are at an event, snap a picture with the people there and tag them in it. Um, so. Any time that you can leverage someone else's audience to gain visibility towards your own is really effective because then you're you're finding someone else who has a relevant audience who's interested in what it is that you're talking about or similar topics, and you're finding a way to show up on their feed. So if they have a larger audience, then by collaborating with them on content, you're going to be really benefiting from their. From their audience as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And LinkedIn, I've noticed, has uh, this collaborate feature where I'm not sure if you have to like <laughs> convert to a business account to do this or not, but um, you do have like a collaborate a collaborate feature where your in-feed post can uh show up as you having collaborated with another account so that's that's also a really great way uh for the person you're collaborating with to also get their name to audiences that they otherwise may not have gotten to but do you think that also doing this in some way makes the algorithm i guess happy (laughs) for lack of better word yeah absolutely. Um
1: Instagram has a similar feature now where you can also create a post in collaboration with someone else. So I think that anytime you do that, it tells the uh, the algorithm that you are two people are interested in getting this message out there, not just one. So they already know by by just the the nature of the content. They know that a wider audience is going to be interested
0: in this. That's it. that's a really interesting way that that works. Wow. I I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is all, you know, fantastic to hear. Um of course, like you have alluded to earlier, uh it can be easier said than done. It takes time Um, you know, to really get the ball rolling. So to wrap things up, let's talk a little bit about strategy. What kinds of strategies have you found to be useful when it comes to brainstorming unique angles to express your expertise? Because, you know, of course, innovation is a very important part of thought leadership. Like we mentioned earlier, you don't want to just always 100% of the time be regurgitating uh, things that people have already said before, or just only liking articles, only sharing other people's articles. Um, At the same time, it can, of course, feel like it's a little hard to break ground within your niche or your field. So what are some strategies that might be useful to get rid of some of that Brain fog and help you come up with really unique angles?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really great question. I would say that the best way to start brainstorming is to think about people's problems. Anytime that you can solve a problem for somebody, you're making their life easier, then they're going to build trust with you. So Um, just if you are at a loss for ideas, start thinking about what what problems do you struggle with? What problems do people in your target audience struggle with? And how can you help them figure out a solution for that? Um, I would say also there's an interesting tool that I use called Answer the Public. And this is actually, um, you can type in a keyword and it will show you what questions people are Googling around that keyword. So um, then you can start thinking about what people's questions are related to the subjects that you're interested in speaking on. And then you can say, okay, people don't know the answer to this question. So I can elaborate on that and help them with it
0: yeah and Google's um auto populate feature whenever you're typing something into the search bar that is something that you know a lot of writers definitely use to uh come up with interesting angles for whatever it is they're talking about because once you start typing in a keyword it starts to auto auto populate um, yeah like popular searches around that keyboard so That's an extra set of uh, really interesting content angles right there. And you already know that people are interested in learning the answers to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think really any time that you can answer someone's questions or help solve a problem that they have or address a pain point, then like I said, you're going to be building trust with that audience and they're going to remember you for that. Um, And they're going to come back to you again the next time they have a question.
0: Absolutely. Brooke, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight. This has been so informative and also really inspiring.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Jasmine. Yeah, it's been really nice talking with you. Um, Lots of great stuff to be thinking about um, in terms of thought leadership. And I'm really excited to um, continue our conversations in the future
0: absolutely tell us where we can find you
1: yes so um on LinkedIn my name is Brooke Latham um and on you can actually visit our social canvas website at socialcanvasny.com um and you can follow us on Instagram at socialcanvasco. co
0: amazing thank you Brooke yeah thank you Jasmine Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Rich Yet podcast. Hit the subscribe button so Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you normally listen on knows that you enjoyed this podcast and so I know you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram so you can be the first to know when a new episode airs. We also post some resources that you can use along your wealth building journey. We're on Instagram as at Not Rich Yet Pod. And if you want to give me a follow too, I will not say no to that. I'm on Instagram as at the Jasmine Sue, T H E J A S M I N S U. I do all the planning and sourcing and emailing and interviewing, but this podcast couldn't happen without a few extra hands. Not Rich Yet is produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and edited by Will Tarashak, founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and the founder of Willi Productions. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen, and I'll be back with more next week.